what a sponsor essentially does is brings that experience to the table so that you can understand the pitfalls and navigate your way through the investment. Are you ready to change your life? Welcome to the Multifamily Investor Ladies Podcast, sponsored by Freedom Capital Investments and Berkwood Capital. Your hosts, Linda Brooks and Lisa Hill, are two dynamic multifamily investor syndicators who combined have more than 400 doors in their portfolio and growing. Join them on their journey as they show you it's never too late to get started in multifamily real estate investing. And they'll show you how to do it successfully as a passive investor. And now, here are your hosts, Linda and Lisa. Hello, everyone, and welcome. I'm Linda, your co-host. And I'm Lisa, your other co-host. You know, we are really excited to have you join us for our Multifamily Investor Ladies podcast. We are multifamily apartment investor syndicators, which means we research, find, analyze, and raise capital or funds with our passive investor partners to acquire large value add multifamily apartment buildings throughout the country. And we're going to show you how it's never too late to earn passive income. Think about it. Simply investing and then earning income every quarter. I think I'd be okay, Linda, to let our listeners know we are both ladies in our 50s. We both have other day jobs and we both have been successfully able to acquire several properties. Yes, Lisa, it is definitely okay. And we've done it by getting educated about multifamily real estate investing, finding good brokers, good properties, good partners, and good sponsors. Hey, speaking of good sponsors, let's let our listeners know exactly what is a sponsor. We have as our first guest, the person who has sponsored us as Linda and I began our journeys, Daniel Woodford, who is the co-founder and principal at Mission Bay Capital Partners. It's a multifamily investing syndication firm that currently has over $100 million in assets under management. Daniel started his real estate career in 2009 after serving 20 years in the Air Force, and he is a seasoned multifamily operator with extensive experience in property valuation, acquisitions, and asset management. Welcome, Daniel. Hey, thank you very much. I appreciate you guys having me on. So our pleasure. And to begin, you know, as a fellow service member, good morning, sir. (laughs) Good morning. Good morning. Appreciate it. So, Daniel, start us off. We talked about having good brokers, good properties, good partners, good sponsors. What is a sponsor? What exactly is the role of a sponsor? You know, Linda, that's a great question because uh, in this space, just like many other spaces, you really need kind of a mentor to get you through uh, the first investment or first couple of investments. And what what a sponsor essentially does is brings that experience to the table so that you can, uh, you know, understand the pitfalls and, and navigate your way through the investment as well as a sponsor gives the ability or brings the ability to essentially sign on uh, the line, the dotted line for a loan. And so oftentimes when you're going to get, when you're going to get financing, just like with any other endeavor, you know, the banks want to see experience. They want to make sure that, uh, that you have the right people on your team so that you can kind of, you know, navigate again through, through any type of scenario, whether good or bad, and ensure that you can kind of, produce the type of returns that you're looking to produce for your investors. That sounds like a very important role. And we are so glad to have you as ours. How about that? (laughs) Sounds great to me. (laughs) Certainly. So tell our listeners, Daniel, why multifamily real estate investing? How did you get started? 
Well, I got started really, um, it was it was back in 2013, 2014, but actually, really, I started in real estate in 2009. And uh, it started with, with, with single family uh, buildings. And then I, I graduated up to multifamily as I was retiring from the military. And I, I just kind of thought that, you know, I really need to do something that's going to create some sort of passive income for myself and my family. And and I really needed to uh, you know replace my income because, you know, like most folks, when they're getting ready to retire, they're facing either probably another career, particularly in the military. When you retire, you usually retire when you're around 40 or so. And, you know, you, you're just most people just not ready to retire at the time financially. And so I really understood that I needed to create some sort of income or else I probably would have had to do another W-2 job for another, you know, 15 or 20 years and, and, and traditionally retire, at, you know, 60, 65. Um, and so what I did was um, nights and weekends, really, I was just out pounding the pavement, trying to uh, get involved in the real estate, um, started fixing and flips, flipping homes, and then eventually transitioned into multifamily. And from there on, when I retired, from the military in 2014, I was able to uh, do real estate full time. So that was the main reason was to kind of replace my existing income that I had at the time so that I can really pursue the dream of, of, of what I had, which was to, you know, to acquire uh, multifamily properties. You mentioned the, the fixing and flipping. You just tackled Baltimore. That was your first city, right? Yeah. Do you still have your single families there? Yeah, we still hold um, uh, a handful of properties there in Baltimore. We don't actively acquire anymore. We just kind of, I guess, maybe for nost- nostalgia, maybe I, I'm not sure, but we still hold those properties in in Baltimore. And and um, and, and I, to be quite honest, you know, had a good time in, in doing the single family um, uh, side of it, but really understood that and if we were going to scale this business. I really needed to get into multifamily. So that's what we did. Nice. And by getting into multifamily, um, you know, you helped us get into the business. Um, how do you help others? Well, one of the things that we do here at Mission Bay is that we, that's one of the things that we do do is, is that we help others kind of get their, uh, you know, get their, um, to get involved or get started in multifamily. And so, that, so we work with individuals like yourselves and maybe, you know, three or four other folks. And we kind of help them acquire their first uh, couple of buildings so that they're at the point where they've got the experience themselves. They're able to go out and do the, the lending typically on their own and and, the, and, and basically try to jumpstart their businesses for them. Nice. Yes. Thank you for doing that. Lisa and I definitely appreciate it. Yes, for sure. So our audience is consists of mainly passive investors, Daniel, for our podcast, and they are considering multifamily real estate investing, right? But but what advice do you have for considering it as a viable option for passive income? Well, one of the things about the real estate, it really is a kind of a, a relatively safe uh, asset class when you talk about multifamily uh, properties, because uh, typically in a single family property, just a little bit more, uh, there's a little bit more risk there. You lose one tenant and basically the entire building is not getting paid for until you find a new tenant. But in multifamily, um, you don't have that type of risk. You've got maybe, you know, we typically look at a hundred units and above, you got a hundred unit building with one person moves out, you're still cash flowing. So that's one of the things that we really liked about it. The other thing that we really liked about multifamily is the economy of scales. And that is, you know, we could have like in Baltimore, we still own a handful of properties and we got to run all over town to, to service those properties. If there's a roof leak over here, we got to run over there. If the water heater goes out over here, then we run over there. And it's just not efficient. Whereas in a multifamily, it's all housed basically in one complex or one building. So that's one of the things that that, um, that we really that we really like. 
And and typically a multifamily project is able because of the stability, it really is able to produce a quarterly cash flow for investors that's that's relatively predictable and rel- relatively consistent. So that's one of the things that we really enjoy is that at each and every quarter when we send out our distribution checks, you know, obviously we you know we we enjoy getting that out to investors um, based on the expectations that they have. Those are definitely benefits for passive investors um, to invest in multifamily. And um, speaking of benefits, um, I understand that there's also some considerable tax benefits, unlike the stock market, which also produces passive income. Um, What are the tax benefits of multifamily real estate investing? Yeah, I mean, there's really a handful. Not only get into you know maybe a couple of them, and one of them that 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 really has an impact is is this thing called depreciation. And in real estate, what the government allows you to do is to basically write off uh, write off the entire building as part of as part of your investment. And so, the entire building is written off over a period of time. And so that helps essentially. Uh, create uh, you know favorable tax situation for you because um, typically the way we do it a significant amount of our cash flow it has minimal tax during the hold period so that helps a lot of our investors because they don't have to pay taxes or or maybe it's deferred I should say um, for a later time so that really is 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 a nice feature the other the other one is um, what many don't don't know of and that is um, a 1031 exchange. Which really allows us as um, uh, real estate investors to sell a property, take our profits from that property, and then transfer it into another uh, like kind property, and we can defer our taxes on that. So that's what allows us to get into larger and larger and larger properties and also defer the taxes so that, that when we do do that, you know, our investors are not having to pay a big tax bill at the end. So we really like those two features, particularly with regards to um, real estate. And unlike the, the stock market is quick money, multifamily real estate investing is slower money. Let's put it that way, right? I mean, you're not, it's not a quick turnaround. It's an investment over a period of three to five, maybe sometimes 10 years sometimes, right? That's right. That's absolutely right. And and really, it really it's dictated by the market. So uh, we typically uh, look at holding a property for five to seven years. But there are times when the market, and currently this is one of those times when the market is really favorable uh, to sell to sell a property. And so we're selling several properties, and um, you know, seeing some significant returns for our passive investors. Nice, very nice. So the newer investor may be thinking. This is only for high net worth investors. I mean, after all, the average investment is, what, $50,000? And so some people may not have that type of cash laying around and think that this investment opportunity is not for them as a result. Um, How can the average person uh, get in on a piece of the action, if you will, or get involved or be able to invest passively in a multifamily real estate deal? Yeah, I think one of the things that um, is is probably overlooked, and only a certain percentage of the nation really – it really knows this feature, and that is uh, what's called a self-directed IRA, and that really allows um, our investors to tap into some of their retirement funds. Now, we don't ever go out to our investors and say, "Hey, can you go and get your entire retirement fund? Let's go move it into a multifamily building." What we what we always say is, "Hey, let's take a small portion, let's diversify a small portion portion of your retirement account that typically is tied up in the stock market. Let's move a small portion of that out into what's called a self-directed IRA." allows the investor to invest their retirement funds in real estate 
And that has, has, has proven to be very successful for not only not only us, but for, for many of our investors to get access to uh, retirement funds that maybe not maybe not be seeing the same type of returns that they could see in real estate and moving it into uh, real estate and diversifying in that manner. What do you look for before deciding to invest in a property, Daniel? You know, the first thing um, that that we look for is 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 really we look at the returns. the the first The first thing is that we do. Um, if if this property is not able to produce a type of returns that we're expecting for investors in a conservative manner, right? We, when we underwrite these things, we underwrite them in a conservative. Uh, manner, and on a conservative basis, are we able to get the returns? And then once we look at that that aspect, then we look at, you know, what does the business plan look like in order to get these types of returns? Um, do we have to renovate 100% of the units, and how bad are the renovations, or hard or how difficult are the renovations going to be? Do we have to transition a tenant base? Maybe we're moving a property from a certain class of tenant base up to the next class of tenant base. And of course, whenever you do that, you're raising rents and it's all a part of the business plan. When you raise rents, you're raising the value of the building, thereby creating a return for your investors. So we look at business plan. We look at we look at how conservative our underwriting can be. And then, we, and, and then finally, what, what's most important is we want to make sure that we can hit those returns that we're promising or we're we're, we're, we're uh, you know, basically promising to investors. And that is a great segue to our next question. You talked about valuation of the property and business planning and underwriting. You know, there's always that delicate balance between what the seller thinks the property is worth and what the buyer wants to pay for the property, right? Which of course goes into your underwriting consideration. How do you manage that balance? Yeah, you know, when you look at uh, what's called, you know, typically when a, when a property comes out, you, you get an offering memorandum from a, a brokerage firm, and it kind of describes the entire asset. They kind of put in there uh, what they believe the year one projections are going to look like, and and oftentimes um, those those projections, obviously, they're trying to sell the building. They're 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 a little rosier than we than we project as you know as investors. We want to you we want to make sure we're even more conservative. I think you guys can recall some of the projects that we've worked on. Where we've um, we've looked at the projections and perhaps you know they've they've projected uh, lower than expected payroll expenses. Well, we always try to max out. If you recall, it's one of the things that we did on one of the projects that we worked on. Is we maxed out we max out our payroll expense just to be sure that we're able to hit it and we're not going to miss the mark there. You know, and we and and if you call, we went through all of that together on on, on several properties. And, and and that's kind of what we do. We, we we underwrite it conservatively, make sure that we can we can and then not only that, but we we can consult with our property manager to make sure that whatever we've underwritten can be executed, right? That's part of the business plan execution part of it. So we make sure that, uh, and, and I remember, you know, we, we were all in, in those discussions together when we talked to our property manager and said, hey, you know, can you hit the payroll number? What do you think about utilities? Uh, you know, what do you think about um, uh, marketing? How are we going to have to, how, what are we going to have to do to transition this property or execute this, execute this business plan? And so that's, that, you know, that, that's basically what we do. In acquiring a property, you have a comp and com- when it comes to capital funds, to raising funds in order to purchase the property, you have a combination of a bank loan and a proper- a combination of funds that you raise from passive investors, right? Do you tend to do more of a bank loan or more of the fundraising? What is, is there a ratio there? 
Yeah. So, so typically when you're looking at this, there's, there's, there's a couple of schools of thought there. Oftentimes, you know, we try to, we, you know, we try to use leverage as much as possible, but then again, we don't want to leverage it up too much. When we talk about leverage, we're talking about the loan, right? And so, um, because uh, the the loan aspect of it is always going to be the cheapest part of what we call the capital stack or the or, or what's what's coming in as far as the capital you've got the loan and you've got the equity but at the same time you know the more loan you take on obviously the more risk you're taking on and so we try to you know mitigate that a little bit by by looking at at um, those ratios typically it's 75 25 with regards to the loan sometimes we'll go up to 80 but we try to stay around 75 percent in this market. Uh, and then you know, 25% will come in from um, our equity partners or our investors or passive investors. Passive investing in multifamily real estate, is it protected by federal and state laws? It is actually. And, and, many re- and, and when we actually go through this whole uh, process, it's called a syndication. And we go out and, it, and what it allows is allows everyday individuals like us to buy large multifamily properties and compete basically with with an institutional Wall Street type player, right? So we're going after the exact same properties as some of our larger institutional um, competitors are going after. And, and when we do that, we do what's called a syndication, which is protected by the SEC. You know, it's an SEC type of transaction. And all of the documents are, that we produce um, are, are produced with, by our um, attorney, our SEC attorney. And it really protects the investors. It, it describes the investment and, and um, allows them to ha- you know, have confidence that what we're putting together is, is legal and legit and it's, it's, and it's for their benefit. Thank you for that explanation, Daniel, because when we opened up the podcast, we talked about the fact that Lisa and I were syndicators. And so having you explain what a syndication is kind of just brings it full circle um, for this episode. You mentioned um, you talked about uh, brokers. We talked about property managers. We talked about um, us working together collaboratively. Who else should we have on, quote unquote, a syndication team or team of people that are helping to acquire a multifamily real estate? property. Yeah, uh, I, I'd say probably the biggest um, person on the team with regards to a syndication is going to be um, your legal team. Um, we work with um, Dugan Kelly, uh, Kelly and Clark, and um, they, they do a lot of our syndication work and legal work uh, with regards to, to real estate. And so that's a huge piece of it is making sure that you stay in compliance with with SEC rules. Um, you also want to have a solid CPA that is uh, that, that has a lot of experience in the real estate field. And so uh, we work with uh, the real estate CPA in that regard. And um, and, and so we, we really like the work that they do. They have a lot of experience with regards to real estate uh, asset management. Sometimes we, we bring on an asset manager in some regards and we're looking to bring on asset management on, on a lot of our properties upcoming. So they're they're typically the professional individuals that that basically are trained to do the asset management for your for your company. So we're we're also looking at something like that. And of course you got lenders too. You know, you've got part you know your lender partners that are doing the the lending for you. And so those are probably a handful of people that that are that you have on your team. I mean it's just not like like myself and 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 us and and there's a there's a huge team that works with us to ensure that this is that this entire project goes along without a hitch. 
Well, thank you, Daniel, for your insight on what a multifamily real estate investor sponsor is and what it means for our listeners, passive investors. If you have any other questions, folks, we'll post all of Daniel's information on our website. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a second and give us a five-star rating right there on your listening platform. And if you like what you hear on the show, find it helpful. Want to learn more? Go ahead and hit subscribe. Thanks again for listening. And remember, it is never too late to get started in passive real estate investing with the Multifamily Investor Ladies. Thanks a mill for listening. See you next time. For more information about today's episode, learn more about passive multifamily real estate investing or to reach Linda or Lisa directly, visit us on the web at multifamilyinvestorladies.com. Thanks a mill for joining the Multifamily Investor Ladies podcast sponsored by Berkwood Capital and Freedom Capital Investments. Your hosts, Lisa Hill and Linda Brooks, remind you it's never too late to get started on your multifamily real estate investing journey, and they'll show how to do it successfully as a passive investor. We'll see you next time.